Well, friends, we now come to the reading and the teaching of God's Word. This is not just a mental exercise. This is a spiritual exercise. And so, it's right that even before we begin, we bow our heads and our hearts before Almighty God. Let's pray together. Show us Christ. Lord, we long to see him. Show us your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, point us to the person of Christ this morning. Help us to see through the book of Jude, Jesus Christ and all of his glory and all of his splendor. Lord Jesus, I'm sure that there are those here this morning who do not know Jesus as their Savior, would scales fall from their eyes and would they see Jesus Christ? Father, so often your people have hardened hearts. Would you crush them today? Would you soften us? Would we see Jesus Christ again and worship him? Follow him, love him, desire him, have our affections bent toward him. Show us Jesus. Cause our attention to be bent toward your word. And then in your word, Lord God, would you show us Christ. For you have the words of eternal life. And we desire this morning to drink deeply from them. Show us Christ. This is our prayer. Amen. Well, friends, this morning, I'm going to continue a sermon series through the book of Jude. Now, we've been in the book of Jude for five sermons. I I think this is the fifth sermon. Although, really, the book of Jude doesn't have six parts. It has five parts. I'm going to tell you what those parts are even before I read through the book so that you have them near in front of you. The book of Jude starts off in verse 1 and 2. With Jude identifying himself, identifying his readers, and then he prays for them. The second kind of phase, step of the book of Jude, and you can follow this in your own Bibles, is verse 3 and verse 4. In verse 3 and verse 4, Jude gives the reasons why he has written this book, why this particular book, this this letter of only 25 verses is so necessary to us. And I say us because the book of Jude is not written to Pastor Charles or Pastor Mark or Pastor Jabu or Pastor Isaac or Elder Patrick or Elder Sammy. It's not written to the leadership of the church. It's written to us, the church. It's written to each and every one of us. Why did Jude write this book in verse 3 and 4? We hear that he's written this book because we are to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, you know how every letter has a body, and Jude has a body. The body of, his, of, of Jude's letter is from verse 5 through to verse 16. And in the guts of his letter, Jude profiles false teachers. He tells us who we are to contend against. Now this morning, we come to the fourth part of the book of Jude. This is the the part that 
we've really been waiting for as believers. It's how do we apply everything that we have gone through in the book up until now. This is the application of the book, the guts of the book. Jude applies what earnest contending looks like with five commands from verse 17 through to verse 23. Verse 17 through to verse 23 has five commands that we as God's people are to do as we go about contending for our faith. Now the the end of the book is is why I chose this book. (laughs) I love the last two verses in the book of Jude. (laughs) They make my heart rise in praise every time I hear them spoken at the end of the service, every time that I, I memorize them myself or when we sing them in song. I love verse 24 and verse 25 of the book of Jude, and I'm looking forward to preaching it in a future sermon. But really, Jude closes with an encouragement For those who are earnestly contending. That's the book of Jude. Those are the five steps that we have been looking through over the last number of weeks in the book of Jude. I'm going to read the book of Jude so that we have it firmly fixed in our mind. And then I'm going to take you through the application of this book from verse 17 through to verse 23. So that's what we're going to do this morning. As I read through the book, could I ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word as many as are able? My friends, hear God's word from the book of Jude. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued a natural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner... These people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, blaspheme glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. For they have walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs 
in your love feasts as they feast among you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness which they have committed in such an ungodly way and all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following on their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, Building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained with the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. If I had a point for my first point, which is going to look at verse 17 to verse 19 this morning, it would be this. Move to DEFCON 1. Move to DEFCON 1. Let me read verse 17 to verse 19 to you. You can follow along in your own Bibles. It says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. What does DEFCON stand for? DEFCON stands for Defense Readiness Condition. It is an alert state which is used by the United States Armed Forces. DEFCON prescribes five five graduated levels of readiness for the United States military. It increases in severity from DEFCON 5, which is the least severe, all the way to DEFCON 1, which is the most severe. Severe. The highest level, DEFCON 1, signals nuclear warfare. During the Yom Kippur War, 
as well as during the September 11th attacks in the United States, the military moved the DEFCON level to DEFCON 3. During the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Persian Gulf War, they escalated the DEFCON level to DEFCON level 2. Central Baptist Church. We need to move to DEFCON 1 because we are under imminent attack. The key to understanding verse 17 to verse 19 is the command to remember. Remember the predictions is what Jude would have us know. Jude wants us to get very practical at this stage. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about contending for the faith. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks who we are to contend for. Today, Jude wants you to know what contention for the faith looks like, what contending for the faith looks like. And he starts by giving you a command, a command which you need to obey. It's a command in the present tense, which means it needs to be a habitual life action. This needs to be your lifestyle. You are to remember the predictions. What predictions? Well, Jesus had said that many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. See, Jesus says, I have told you beforehand. The apostle Paul had also said, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to serve their own and suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into mists. John, the apostle, had said that many false prophets have gone out into the world. The apostle Peter had said, Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own sinful desires. Jude is now saying in his book, they're here. False teachers are in our midst. The battle for the local church has begun. He goes on to tell us three things about these false teachers. The first is this. They run after ungodly passions. You can read that in verse 18, in the second half of verse 18. They run after their own ungodly passions. They present themselves as angels of light, but in actual fact, they are children of their father, the devil. And as such, they love sin more than they love Jesus. Secondly, they cause divisions. These false teachers that come into the midst of local churches, they stir up splits. They stir up schisms within the local church. Thirdly, they are devoid of the Spirit. You can read that in the second half of uh, of verse 19. They're worldly rather than spiritual. They are carnal rather than Christ-like. False teachers infiltrate churches. 
These wicked charlatans infiltrate local churches just like ours. They have done before and they will do so again. What Jude wants you to know in terms of you contending for the faith is you must not get caught off guard. You need to stand guard. You must not fall asleep on duty. You must remain alert. You must not let your guard down. Friends, you are to contend for the faith. Central Baptist Church, we are to move to DEFCON level one in terms of this spiritual battle. If I had a second point, it would be this. Get combat ready. Get combat ready. We read in verse 20 and 21, you can follow in your own Bibles, but you, beloved, and again, this isn't written to the leadership of the church, this is written to us, the church, but, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Around the world, nations train up special forces. The United Kingdom has the SAS. The United States has the Navy SEALs, and they have Delta Force, and they have the Green Berets. Russia has the Alpha Group. South Africa has the Rekis. Each of these teams is elite. Each of these teams is specially selected. Each of these teams is highly trained, and each of these teams is highly specialized. Central Baptist Church, the battle cry has been sounded. The enemy is at the gates, and we need to take spiritual combat training and readiness seriously. We're at war. And soon, you will face combat. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared. The key that unlocks verse 20 to 21 is the command, keep. The command, keep. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How are you to keep yourself in the love of God? Well, the answer is in the text. It comes in three parts, three participles, which go with this command to keep. It's by building, by praying, and by waiting. Building, praying, and waiting. Building first. We read uh, in verse 20 in the first half, Jude says that you are to build yourself up in your most holy faith. You are to hear the Bible, you are to read the Bible, you are to study the Bible, you are to memorize the Bible, you are to meditate upon the Bible. If you are to be combat ready for the spiritual war, which is certainly coming, you need to be scripture saturated. Paul to the Ephesian elders when he when he called him to themselves uh, to himself when he was at Miletus uh, as as he called those Ephesian elders to himself in Acts chapter twenty as he told them that wolves were going to rise up in their midst he said this to them 
that they were commended to the word of his grace. They were commended to the word of God. They were commended to the 66 books of the Bible. They were commended to the 39 in the Old Testament and the 27 in the New Testament. They were commended to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. If you are to be built up for the fight that is to come, you will be built up by God's word and God's word alone. Scripture builds saints up. To keep yourself in the love of God is to be trained to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 6. If you are to keep yourself in the love of God, you are to build yourself up in the most holy faith, and that is to become Scripture-saturated. But not only that, you are to pray praying in the Holy Spirit. You can see that in your own Bible at the end of verse 20. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now this could be translated as praying by means of the Holy Spirit. This could be translated as praying with the help of the Holy Spirit. This could be translated as praying in the sphere of the Holy Spirit. This could be translated as praying in connection to the Holy Spirit. This isn't about the particular words that you say. This is about how you pray. We are to pray continually in the Spirit. We are to pray depending on the Spirit. We are to pray filled with the Spirit. We are to pray being controlled by the Spirit. To keep yourselves in the love of God is to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Ephesians chapter 6. Not only are we to be built up, not only are we to be praying, but we're to wait. We're to wait. Uh, this is about eschatology. Eschato- that's your word for the day. Normally I'd tell you to turn to your neighbor next to you and say the word eschatology. But I tell you what, uh, this afternoon as you go home and have lunch, you can talk about eschatology over lunch. If you're having snails for lunch, that's escargot. It's not the same thing. Eschatology is a study of future things. The study of future things matters. We are to live with eternity in mind. We are to live anticipating the Lord's certain return. We are to live putting out the welcome mat in our heart. We are always to be ready for the return of our Lord and our Savior. We are to have the word Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come always on our lips. To keep yourself in the love of God is to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Central Baptist Church, if we are to contend for the faith, If you are to be prepared for the battle which is certain to come, you need to take spiritual combat training and readiness seriously. So my first point was uh, we need to move to DEFCON 1. The second point was we need to get combat ready. The third point in terms of the spiritual battle and readiness for the spiritual battle is we need to be prepared to take prisoners captive. We need to be prepared to take prisoners captive. Read verse 22 and 23 together with me in your own Bibles. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy 
but with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. My grandfather fought in World War II. My great-grandfather fought in World War I. Lots of images of war swimming around in our minds this week. My great-grandfather in World War I was a non-commissioned officer. My father has all of his medals and his memorabilia in a box. And from time to time when I go to Port Elizabeth, I go through it and I look what's in there. A couple of years ago, I found his officer's handbook and I read through it. It wasn't a very long book at all. There's a chapter in that book, and granted we're talking about World War I, which talks about how to treat deserters, shoot them, quickly, publicly. How are we to treat Christian deserters? How are we to treat Christian drifters? How are we to treat Christian doubters? How are you to engage with your family, who you're thinking of right now, your friends, your spouse, your child, your parent who is struggling with their faith? Well, the answer isn't that you're supposed to shoot them. (laughs) Central Baptist Church. We are to be a salvation army. We are to take prisoners captive. The key to unlocking verse 22 is another command. It's our third command. It's have mercy. Have mercy on doubters. We're to be a merciful army. Remember Jude's prayer at the beginning of the letter. We just read through it. You can take a look in your own Bible at verse 2. May mercy... May mercy, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And what are we waiting for at the end of verse 21? We just read it. The mercy, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Our spiritual lives are mercy from beginning all the way through to end. And we who have received so much Mercy are to be merciful and exercise mercy in response. Because believers do doubt. Zechariah doubted that he would have a son in Luke chapter 1. Thomas doubted that Jesus rose from the dead in John chapter 20. John the Baptist doubted that Jesus was the one in Matthew chapter 11. Believers do doubt. And when they do, we who are spiritually stronger are to act with mercy toward them. What does this mercy look like? We are to pray for doubters. We are to pray with doubters. You are to send a WhatsApp voice note of prayer to those who are doubting. We to share a psalm with doubters. We to share a sermon to doubters. We to meet with doubters. We to have a cup of coffee with those that are doubting. We to journey alongside doubters. We to disciple doubters. We to care for doubters. We to bear doubters' burdens. We to be patient with doubters. We to speak the truth in love with those who doubt. 
We to teach doubters. We to comfort doubters. We to encourage doubters. We to exhort doubters. We are to have mercy on doubters. But what about those who have come to an end to their doubting? What about those who have begun to drift away? How are you to contend well for the faith with them? Jude says that we're not to contend with them. We are to contend for them. The key that unlocks the first half of verse 23a is the command to save. We're to save them. And this is a present tense command. This is to be our habitual practice. We're to live a gospel lifestyle. We are to do everything we can to see souls saved because heaven and hell hang in the balance. This very moment, men are being singed by the fires of hell. And if they are not saved, an eternal inferno will engulf them. They are in mortal danger. They will suffer eternal damnation. In September 1985, there was a pool party at the New Orleans Municipal Pool. It celebrated the first summer without a drowning at the pool. 200 people gathered, including 100 certified lifeguards. When the party broke up, the fully dressed body of Jerome Moody was discovered, drowned in the deep end. Drowned, surrounded by lifeguards at a lifeguard party. Here's my fear for you. Your duty is to save the lives of the people that are within your sphere of influence. But instead of responding to their desperate need, you're enjoying life's party. The guy drowning in the pool isn't some stranger that you have never met and that you don't know. He's your family. He's your friend. He's your spouse. He's your child. He's your parent. Think of their desperate need, their hopeless situation and separation from God. Do not give up on them, they could still be snatched from the fire. Pray ardently for them. Speak earnestly to them. Urgently warn them. Lovingly encourage them. Carefully exhort them. Point them to the Savior who is mighty to save while there is still time. Our Lord, our God, does not wish that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so we must be eager to see souls saved. We must have a passion for the lost, for winning souls. We are to evangelize. We are to witness. We are to communicate the message of salvation to a world which is dark and dying without it. But what about those who are not just doubting, What about those who are not just drifting? What about those who, for everything that we can see, have deserted the faith? 
How should we respond to them? Are these the people that we get to shoot? The key to verse 23b, you can read it in your own Bible, is the command to have mercy. And again, this command is an imperative. Again, this command is in the present tense. Again, this command is something that you must do. You must have mercy. And it's surprising, isn't it? Maybe you thought that deserters were beyond redemption. Yet this text tells us that we are to contend for the faith by showing mercy even to deserters. Because we want to see defiled men saved. And so despite their rejection of the truth, we show them mercy. How can you show mercy to people who, for everything that we can see, have deserted the faith? The answer is carefully. This group comes with a warning label. We are to proceed with fear. Not a scared fear, a careful fear. Healthcare professionals treating Ebola patients wear uh, PPE, right? That's in the news. That's where all the money's gone. Um, personal protective equipment. Single-use impermeable gowns. Double nitrile gloves. Masks. Face shields. Surgical hoods. Impermeable boot coverings. A careful fear. Because you do want to treat the patient who has Ebola But nobody wants to catch Ebola. Central Baptist Church. We are to be a salvation army. We are to take prisoners captive. That is what we are commanded to do. Now there is so much application in these verses from verse 17 to verse 23 for us, for believers. Um, It's clear Jude's gone through his book. He's told you he wants you to contend for the faith. And now he gives you these five commands that many of you have written down, all of you have listened to, and he expects you to apply them into your life. You are to remember that these things were predicted. You are to keep yourself in the love of God. You are to go about reaching out to and calling those who, dr- who doubt to salvation, those who drift to salvation, those who desert to salvation. You're not to take this morning's sermon and go and park it somewhere on a shelf in your house so that it can get dry and dusty and you can forget about it. This is something that we're to do in our daily habitation. We are to have gospel-enabled lives that we might contend well for the glory of Christ, for the sake of the cross, and for the glory of God, our Father, that is in heaven. But for a moment, let me speak to somebody else in the room. You who are a doubter, I don't know who you are, you who are a drifter, you who are defiled, This morning, as you hear the sermon, there is good news to you too. Because by implication here, God's mercy and his salvation is on offer to you this morning. Friend, do you doubt? Are you struggling with your faith or struggling for faith? There is hope in this text for you this morning. 
Have you drifted? Have you been looking for meaning in places other than God's Word, cultural beliefs or cultural practices, the world and all that it has to offer, spiritualism of this age, a religion contrary to the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints? Are you dabbling in danger? Are you positioned too near the fire? There's hope in this text for you this morning. Are you defiled? Have you left the faith? Do you think that you are beyond Christ's reach? That your sin and your rebellion stack up so high against you that salvation has surely passed you by? Like Paul, who rebelled against God and described himself as the chief of sinners. Are you a great sinner? Good. It's time. There's hope in this text for you this morning. Hear from God's word to you this morning that mercy and salvation is proclaimed towards doubters, towards drifters, and towards those that are defiled. You are not beyond the reach of God who is mighty to save. There was mercy enough for Thomas. There was mercy enough for John the Baptist. There was mercy enough for the Apostle Paul. There's mercy enough for me. And there's mercy enough for you in the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord. To start with, friend, the gospel message isn't aimed at good people. Because good people don't exist. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Charles at the back and Mark in the front and everybody in between. While you might feel more wretched than the person sitting next to you, you're not. Not before God. Because God is holy. And you are as unable to save yourself as anybody else that is in this building. You are as desperate. You are as needy. The wages of your sin is death. You deserve eternal separation from the love, from the mercy, from the care, the goodness of God, and that is dreadful news, but God, but God, being rich in mercy, has made a way for you where there was no way. His mercy is stronger, stronger than darkness. It is new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy, it is more. He sent his son to die in your place and bear the wrath that you deserved, that salvation might be on offer to you today. Jesus Christ is the exclusive way to the Father. He says no one comes to the Father but through me. But friend, on the cross as Jesus died, he died as the perfect spotless lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus on the cross appeased the wrath of God against sin, against sinners just like you. Mercy has made a way where there was no way. Friend, this morning, with urgency, immediately, do not delay. Repent from your wondering and come to the fold of God. Jesus himself will rescue you from danger. Jesus Christ is such a great Savior for such a great sinner as yourself. Call on Him. 
cry out to Him. Cast yourself upon Him. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and this day you will be saved from your doubting, from your drifting, from your defilement to His praise and to His glory. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord God, we read of mercy in your word. We sing of mercy. We sing of mercy which is stronger than the sin that entangles us. We sing of mercy which is abundant, new every morn. We sing of a great and glorious, merciful God. Mercy evidenced in his son, Jesus Christ, who is Lord and Savior. Father, for those who have put their faith and their trust in God, I pray that you would impress the imperatives of Jude on our hearts. That your Holy Spirit would move within us and enable us, Lord God, to be obedient to you. Empower us, we pray. That we, your people, would be a city on a hill whose light cannot be hid. Father, for those who have not yet placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, I ask, Lord God, show them Christ. Show them Jesus, Lord. Show them the Savior. Show them their desperate need, their desperate need for salvation. Show them the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Grant them faith to believe. Cause the scales to fall from their eyes. Save men and women, even in our midst, even today, we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen.